Denver Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with DCROM. Cats and kittens are. This is Sports Crutch with D Crom. I'm your host, David Cromelo. Well, folks, NFL training camps are winding down, and last week we said a big welcome back to football as all 32 NFL teams played in a preseason game for the first time in two years. And here at Sports Crunch, we have a similar welcome back to say. When COVID 19 first hit, Hal Bent, who has been my right hand man on this program for many years, had to go on a hiatus to assist the unemployed. But I am thrilled to announce that Hal is back in the saddle and ready to cover this 2021 NFL season with us from start to finish on a weekly basis. And without further ado, let's officially welcome back Hal Bent to the program. What's up, Hal? David, I am so excited to be back and uh, ready to get back at a semi-normal NFL season because I, I tell you, I feel like last year didn't even happen. It's just one big blur. So uh Back in the saddle and ready to go here right now. Yeah, last season, the NFL kind of took a back seat to the uh, pandemic and the uh, drama of the 2020 election. But back to a relatively normal NFL season, we are. And let's start in Jacksonville, where even though the Tim Tebow experiment ended today, and rightfully so, given what we saw from Tim Tebow on the field this past weekend, Urban Meyer's actions remain very, very puzzling, to say the least. Last week, he said it was an open competition as to who would start a quarterback for the Jaguars in week one. And yesterday, Gardner Minshew, not Trevor Lawrence, received all the first team quarterback reps at practice. While I still firmly believe Trevor Lawrence will be the man under center on September 12th, is it just absolutely bonkers for Urban Meyer to give Gardner Minshew any kind of chance to start? Um, Yeah, David, the only reason I can think that he would put him out there is he's thinking, you know, uh, stir up some maybe trade um, interest in him. I have no idea. You know, I, I mean, the Jets need a quarterback desperately to back up Zach Wilson. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of is he's trying to get him uh, out of there. Uh, they got C.J. Beathard as their uh, backup to the backup. So, but it, yeah, it's got to be the Trevor Lawrence show. If Minshew's out there, it's you know, I hope it's for a trade because otherwise I don't know. I'm with you. I don't know what urban's doing either. (laughs) Absolutely. It has to be some sort of trade because if it isn't, as you said, urban Meyer is doing a disservice to Trevor Lawrence, isn't he? Indeed. Indeed. I mean, he's the franchise he's, you know, let's face it for the last four years, we've been waiting for Trevor Lawrence to get to the NFL with bated breath and, now is not, not the time to <laughs> to take the train off the track here for Gardner Minshew. Um, that's a that's a known product and a, a great backup quarterback to have. But uh, let's not fool anybody here. <laughs> yes, and also, what game was Urban Meyer watching guys Saturday night? You saw Trevor Lawrence and Gardner Minshew both play. Trevor Lawrence had much better throws and moved the ball much more effectively. Oh yeah, I mean he he looks comfortable, which is. Um, you know, when we saw with the with the Jets, um, you know, with their rookie quarterback, Zach Wilson, did not look as comfortable. Uh, they looked like there was a, quite a gap between the number one pick and the number two pick. Um, and, I, and I think there's that separation uh, for Lawrence, you know, 
just like there was with, you know, say Peyton Manning and Ryan Leaf. Um, so <laughs> maybe not that extreme. Uh, Jets fans are going to be coming after me for saying that. But, <laughs> but I mean, let's face it, you know, Lawrence was the number one for a reason. And he is the, the top prospect at quarterback, probably since Andrew Luck. Stop playing games, get him out there, get him used to the offense. And, and let's see what Jacksonville can do this year. Indeed, indeed, indeed. And this year, the NFL plans to crack down on taunting as Tom Pelissero of NFL Network reported just a couple weeks ago. Two taunting fouls per game will now result in an automatic ejection plus fines and even suspensions. Yet in week one of preseason action, officials were flagging even the most innocent of celebrations as taunting. Do you think this is just one of those things where the refs penalize a lot of stuff in preseason, then let a lot of it fly when the games count? Or are you very worried that a bad taunting call will end up costing several teams key wins this season? I mean, taunting is so difficult because it's you're trying to determine the intent of the player. And, you know, for the officials, that's putting them in a difficult situation. Offside, holding, that's something you can see and react to. Taunting, you're making a, a judgment on intent and it, that's not something that the officials should be doing. I think this is going to be one of those, you know, we made this, uh, we put this out here in preseason to send the message and then it gets scaled back in the regular season. Cause I'd hate to see that, um, you know, determine a game and I am the king of, Hey, let the players play. So a little taunting, that ain't a bad thing. It ain't a bad thing, and hopefully they dial it back, as in the refs, uh, come yes. September 9th uh, when the regular season begins. And as you alluded to uh, when you first spoke, Cal, uh, we have a semi-normal football season. And speaking of that, the Las Vegas Raiders yesterday announced arguably the strictest COVID-19 stadium policy any club has announced so far. In order for fans to attend games at Allegiant Stadium this season, fans will have to issue proof that they have been fully vaccinated. But in return, they will not have to wear a mask in the indoor stadium. With this Delta variant wave expected to get worse during the fall and winter, can you see many other teams following the Raiders' lead here? Oh, definitely. I think this is going to be the example going forward. I, I just can't imagine many teams are going to, uh, you know, let's face it, put their paying customers at risk. They need these fans in the stadium to you know, uh, purchase the merchandise, to purchase the refreshments. I mean, they lost a lot of money on ticket sales and income, uh, the NFL owners last year. So the last thing that they want to do is, you know, all of a sudden have 20,000 fans uh, get sick and then nobody's showing up. So yeah, this, this should be, this should have been the way for the direction from the league to start with. Um, but I think we're going to see a lot of teams following this proof of vaccination uh, going forward. Indeed. And uh, plus the biggest thing the owners might have to fear is getting sued by fans if they get Oof. sick and uh, they definitely don't want to do that. And uh, that is only hopefully part of the reason why the NFL and they've been very behind on a lot of key uh, social issues in, in the past. They've been doing a great job of taking the lead in doing everything they can to encourage players, coaches, staff, and fans alike to get vaccinated. Exactly. As they should, that, I mean, the team's going to need it. We know the NFL, how that operates, the locker room, the coaching, um, you know, that's a 
contact environment. You can't do it over Zoom. <laughs> we learned that last year. Um, so yeah, it's in the best interest of the league that you know everyone involved is vaccinated as soon as possible, and you know at least get a herd mentality going inside those stadiums. Yes, and now back to football. And we just saw a full week of preseason for the first time since 2019, as I alluded to. What was your main takeaway from this uh, week one of preseason action? Well, week one of preseason action, I think we've got um, 32 fan bases that think they're going to the Super Bowl this year. So, (laughs) which is about the most normal thing that happens. So, um, you know, welcome back football. That's fantastic. Uh, No, what I'm looking at is, um, you know, so many quarterback situations are unsettled and up in the air. You know, we talked about uh, the Jaguars with Gardner Minshew inexplicably getting snaps. Um, You know, you've got Bears rookie Justin Fields, who, who just looks dynamic. And, you know, Chicago, why would you put anyone else under center? Um, you know. It, 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 you know, we, we saw Zach Wilson struggle a little, which is fine for a young quarterback from a BYU program who didn't play a lot. Um, Trey Lance looking dynamic for the 49ers as well. Looks like a very exciting pick there. Um, you know, it's, it's just exciting to see these battles. And, you know, for you and I, especially, David, I was thinking of us, we've got Cam Newton and Mac Jones here right up the street from me uh, in Foxborough. And your Denver Broncos, um, you know, Locke v. Bridgewater. And, and I, I think these quarterback battles are so exciting because so many teams, I mean, just take the Broncos and the Patriots. Here are two teams with strong, strong playoff worthy defenses. And you just need somebody to step up at the quarterback position and be better than adequate. And you've got a 10 win team right there. Uh, Patriots, Broncos, the Dolphins, if Tua can do that, you know, that's a playoff team with that defense that they have. Um, I'd even put the Washington football team on there as well. Fitz Magic, same thing. Yes, and I would put the Carolina Panthers in that same group as well because they have some young stars on both sides of the ball and they improve their depth dramatically, especially in the draft. And Matt Rule, you know how he does in the second year of uh, wherever he's at. He like massively improves the program and I would expect no less from him. Exactly. So, you know, I mean, Sam Darnold just, you know, stopped seeing ghosts and all of a sudden, you know, we've got another team that's good enough on both sides of the ball. Um, it's how that quarterback position shakes out. And it's just so many, so many interesting situations there. And I mean, that's not even getting into, um, you know, the, the Stafford and Goff, you know, switch off there. How is Stafford going to do with the Rams? How does Goff do in Detroit? Um, Jameis Winston versus Taysom Hill to replace Drew Brees. Um, New Orleans, there's a playoff team that what's going to happen without Drew Brees? Are they going to look like the Patriots last year when Tom Brady left? And, you know, all of a sudden they're back in that seven and nine, or I guess we'd say seven and 10 these days with the 17 game schedule. Uh, So many questions at the quarterback position. You said it. And since you covered the quarterback position, I'm going to cover what went on at the game's second most important position, and that is pass rusher. 
And we saw several lesser-known rookie edge rushers show that they are ready to contribute. We saw Gregory Rousseau in Buffalo win several reps against Panay Sewell, another first-round draft pick. Panay Sewell, the seventh overall pick in the 2021 NFL draft. Gregory Rousseau, the 30th overall pick. Gregory Rousseau showing why he was a breakout star at the University of Miami in 2019 before opting out in 2020. Uh, showing that he's got the moves. If Gregory Rousseau could keep that up consistently throughout the year, the Buffalo Bills just might have the final piece of their Super Bowl puzzle. And Joe Tryon, speaking of the Super Bowl, the rookie pass rusher on the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers, who's been absolutely dynamic in training camp, showing off his skills on the field against the Bengals on Saturday. But speaking of the Bengals, rookie Joseph Osai, their third-round pick, beat Tristan Wirfs, who is already an all-pro right tackle in just his second season to sack Tom Brady in that preseason game. All three of those young edge rushers appear ready to contribute in a very profound way to their teams, and I will be very excited to watch them as the season goes on. Great, great point there, David. You know, uh, like you said with Buffalo, I mean, we saw that when they went up against Kansas City in the regular season and in the playoffs last year, just a hint of pass rush, um, you know, could have made the difference for the Bills last year and, and they could have been in the Super Bowl. Um, it's a it's a huge position. We're seeing it with so many different teams, um, you know having that pass rusher, having that the youthful energy to pressure the quarterback, it, you know, not everybody has a secondary like Denver that can cover for 12 seconds. Um, and even Denver has enough of a pass rush that they're not going to be in that situation either. But um, definitely that pass rush, great to see these young guys. And like you said, Rousseau, so many question marks with being out of not playing for a season. There's so many rookies coming in. Uh, with so much rust and to see them being able to shake that off here in the preseason and make an impact is just part of what makes this game so fun. Indeed. And speaking of fun, let's play our favorite game, truth or exaggeration. Hal, you know how this game works. I mention anything and you tell me whether I'm telling the truth or whether I'm exaggerating and why. And we start with that quarterback position and Hal, yes, I am a Broncos fan. But I'm also a Bears fan. The Bears are like my 1A to my 1, which is the Broncos. And I'm in total agreement. Justin Fields has to be starting week one. So let's focus on the other rookie quarterback that impressed me a lot last week, not named Trevor Lawrence. And that's Trey Lance. The 49ers must hand the reins over to Trey Lance by no later than week four, if not sooner. Truth or exaggeration? Um, I'm going to go exaggeration. Jimmy Garoppolo got them to a Super Bowl a few years ago. So, you know, it's, we're not saying this is, um, you know, <laughs> 2019, uh, Sam Darnold here at quarterback for the 49ers. I think Trey Lance has a, you know, the one thing coming out of the co uh, college with Lance is, you know, he didn't play a lot, didn't play a lot of, you know, games against top competition a little time on the sideline isn't going to hurt him we've seen with you know patrick mahomes and aaron Rodgers that development time the mental reps on the sideline doesn't hurt them so uh for lance i'm gonna say exaggeration for week four week eight he might be out there i wouldn't be surprised but um I, I think they're going to give Jimmy a legitimate chance to, to run the team and because they think, you know, they've got the full package, both sides of the ball and just need that good quarterback play. And 
Garoppolo can game manage and get them to that situation uh, out there in the NFC West. Yes, uh, as Benjamin Albright of uh, 850 KOA in Denver, esteemed NFL insider, said just a couple weeks ago, the 49ers' plan is to have Garoppolo start the entire year and have special packages for Trey Lance on offense. But I have a feeling if Trey Lance keeps up the progress he's making so far and he is farther ahead than even the 49ers expected right now, I think we see Trey Lance start several games this year, don't you? Uh, you know, like I said, I, I think Jimmy's going to get his shot, but you know, if you're four and four after eight weeks uh, and Trey Lance, the way he's looked so far, like you indicated, I would not be surprised at all that, uh, you know, he's out there starting to just to, even if just to shake things up and, and give that offense a boost. You said it. And now back to your Patriots and their quarterback situation. Mac Jones will sit behind Cam Newton in New England for half of the season or longer before getting his chance to start. Truth or exaggeration? Uh, you know, it, I'm, I'm going to go with truth just because I don't think Cam Newton is as bad as he looked last year. Um, yeah. <laughs> the first three games before he got uh, contracted COVID-19, he looked like an NFL quarterback. You know, he had a 300-yard passing game. He wasn't terrible uh, like he looked at the end of the year. And we really don't know what effect, you know, how bad he had COVID, how that affected him. We've seen since that time that there's the lingering effects and that, that could have been a situation there. So I think Cam's going to get a full shot. I don't think Mac Jones, um, I, you know, unless there's something like the Patriots come out 0-6 and, and it's, you know, 12 interceptions and two touchdowns in those six games. Um, otherwise, again, same, same type of situation in San Francisco. I don't think either team is intent on rushing their rookie quarterback in there, but when they feel ready, when they feel something slipping away and they may need a boost, then we're definitely going to start seeing those uh, young quarterbacks in there. Uh, in New England and San Francisco. And now on to rookies on the defensive side of the ball. Even though defensive backs don't win NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year honors that often, the Broncos' Patrick Sertan II has an excellent chance to buck that trend. Truth or exaggeration? Oh, truth. He's the, he's the real deal. I mean, uh, he was, you know, a, a grand slam pick for the for the Broncos rebuilding that cornerback position. They did a great job in free agency. Um, they hit a grand slam. I, I can't think of a better place for him to land um, with the defense around him and that coaching staff. Oh, I mean, pencil him in for defensive rookie of the year. And, and like I said, he could be right there pushing, um, not an exaggeration at all. Put that as a truth. And now back to Jacksonville. The most productive wide receiver of Jacksonville this season will not be DJ Chark. It will not be LaVisca Chenault. It will be Marvin Jones. Truth or exaggeration? I can see that as the truth. I, I, you know, Marvin Jones is not a, was never a bad wide receiver. Um, you know, <laughs> he, he fits that, um, you know, offense there. He's got long arms. He's got big hands. Um, you know, he's grown and he's got the NFL experience having, you know, started in Cincinnati, 
really grown in his years in Detroit. I, I would not say that's an exaggeration in any way, shape, or form. Trevor Lawrence looks comfortable throwing to Jones, and you know, having that um, veteran security, uh, big wide receiver like Marvin Jones could be a perfect fit for him there. Uh, so definitely a, a truth there and not an exaggeration. And in Arizona, Rondale Moore will be the Cardinals' most dangerous skill position weapon, not named DeAndre Hopkins this season. Truth or exaggeration? Yeah, I, I mean, hey, I, I've got nothing to say. I love Rondale Moore. I thought he was a first-round talent at the draft. Uh, getting him in the second round is a skill. Um, DeAndre Hopkins obviously going to get a ton of attention um, on that offense. A.J. Green, I don't think, is quite the same player he was, but I don't see Christian Kirk or Andy Isabella, um, you know, holding off Rondale Moore for that um, third spot. And explosive, that's basically his middle name, uh, right? <laughs> based on the way he's looked. Um, definitely truth, not an exaggeration there. And last but not least, given the Chiefs' remarkably improved offensive line, Patrick Mahomes will have the best season of his young illustrious career thus far in 2021. Truth or exaggeration? You know, I, it, it, that should be a truth should be, but you know, I really worry about the skill position depth behind Travis Kelsey uh, and Tyreek Hill. If either one of them gets injured, I just don't see, you know, the rest of that depth, you know, being able to have enough impact players for Kansas City. I think that we've seen, you know, that depth gets chipped away when you're at the, you know, at the top with that target on you for so long. And you've got to, you know, make hard decisions to pay the superstars on your team. And, and this offseason, you know, uh, loading up on that offensive line. Um, you know, so I just worry, you know, Tyreek Hill pulls a hamstring and he's out for six games or, you know, Travis Kelsey bangs up a shoulder or a knee or something. And, and all of a sudden that, you know, uh, that offense loses a lot of that explosiveness from those two guys. And they're, they're really, really dependent on those two big skill players. So I'm going to say that's a little bit of an exaggeration, um, but you know, pencil those two in for 17 games, and it's a truth. Very good point. The uh, Chiefs' uh, depth at the skill position players on offense is uh, very worrisome, as uh, my friend Nick Kendall said on this podcast a couple weeks ago. And Hal, every year in the NFL, there is a worst-to-first story. And of all the teams that finished in last place in 2020, which of them is most likely to win their respective division in 2021? Is it the Jaguars? Is it the Jets? Is it the 49ers? Is it the Falcons? Is it the Bengals? Is it the Eagles? Is it the Lions? Or is it the Broncos? Uh, you know, it's a tough, tough call because I think both teams in the West, AFC West and NFC West, like we already talked about Denver, you know, you get some good quarterback play. And, you know, if there's a team that's going to shut down Kansas City, uh, that Denver defense looks equipped to do that right now. Um, they can make a, a big headache for Patrick Mahomes, um, you know, for Herbert, for the Chargers as well. I don't think the Raiders are really a threat in the West. So Denver's in a great position. 
to be right up there with Kansas City battling for the AFC West title. Uh, and like we talked about San Francisco as well, you know, to, you know, not long ago, they were the Super Bowl team. Um, you know, the Rams, we really don't know how they're going to look uh, with the with Matthew Stafford there at the quarterback position. Seattle, um, again, should be the favorites, but Seattle and San Francisco, we've seen them duke it out year after year. So um, I'm going to need a coin to flip between those two teams, but uh, Denver or San Francisco, I'll give the little edge to San Francisco, maybe 51 to 49% because they don't have Patrick Mahomes in their division, but... <laughs> but either of those have, two they teams. don't have justin herbert in their division either don't forget right, about him. exactly yeah so <laughs> and Derek Carr's no slouch yeah so so yeah so uh either of those two teams I'll, I'll go san francisco just a little bit of a safer pick as the most likely to go worst to first um although you know you look at jacksonville and you look at the indie injuries and you say Ah, uh, Tennessee's defense was terrible last year. Houston's a mess with the, you know, the, the whole Deshaun Watson situation. You kind of can convince yourself maybe Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville, um, but but I, I'm going to put that in the five percent. Not very likely. Um, I don't think you know. Well, I mean, the NFC East shouldn't even count, you know. I mean, I don't think Philadelphia is a, a first-place team. I think Dallas, Washington are uh, the cream of the crop there. But um, Detroit, Cincinnati, Atlanta, I don't see them as uh, a big threat for worst to first. It's its San Francisco and Denver right now, the big two. And I'll just lean to San Francisco here. You are higher on the Broncos' chances than I am. And that means something because I am a big Broncos fan. <laughs> I am actually going to go with Jacksonville for the reasons you listed. Yes, um, some of the decisions Urban Meyer has been making so far are very head-scratching, but Trevor Lawrence is just a special, special talent. You saw what Andrew Luck did his rookie year. He willed the Colts to a playoff appearance uh, when their head coach at the time, Chuck Pagano, was beating leukemia. One of the most inspiring stories in the National Football League in recent years, dare I say. And... Uh, Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. Is he as good as Andrew Luck was? Um, I wouldn't say that, but he has a very similar skill set to last year's Offensive Rookie of the Year, Justin Herbert. And if you uh, take Herbert's skill set along with the intangibles Trevor Lawrence brings, he could single-handedly will the Jaguars to a division title in a very, very flawed AFC South. So I'm going to go with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Duval! Duval! <laughs> I like it. I, I told you, I, I can buy into it, David. I can buy into it, but uh, I'm going to go with the, I, I, I lean towards the safe side. And, and yeah, you're, you're too into the Broncos. You're not looking at it from the outside and, and that, that secondary, that pass rush, those young skill position, wide receivers, the, the offensive line that's solidified, uh, looks so much better than just two, three years ago. Noah Fant, I'm just going to keep saying that over and over, you know, big breakout year coming. You're going to be happy this year, David. I'm telling you. I hope you're right and I'm wrong, Hal. And which playoff team from 2020 will see the biggest drop-off? Is it the Bucks? Is it the Chiefs? Is it the Bills? The Packers? The Saints? The Browns? The Ravens? The Rams? The Bears? The Steelers? The Seahawks? The Titans? 
Washington or the Colts? Oh, I, I'm going to say New Orleans. Um, you know, they barely held off Tampa uh, for the division title last year. Um, and no Drew Brees. I mean, that's just such a, a, a big loss right there not to have Drew Brees at quarterback anymore. So you've got that transition that's that's coming in there as well. And then we don't know what's going on with Michael Thomas. I mean, his ankle, is it healthy? Is it not healthy? Does he want to trade? I mean, he doesn't seem to want to be in New Orleans any longer. Um, you've got, you know, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL who doesn't look like he's going to be playing anytime soon. A Hall of Fame quarterback exits. Um, yeah, I, I think the Saints are the lock for the first to worst here situation. Absolutely agree with you, Hal. And uh, we have to bring a little friend back. It's it's the simpatico. <laughs> we are simpatico on this one, Hal. The New Orleans Saints, I think, are going to be the playoff team for 2020 that will see the biggest drop off. Drew Brees exits forever and he's not coming back. Michael Thomas, who is turning out to be a distraction, who probably doesn't want to play another down in New Orleans again. Given all of that, you could see a chaotic season unfolding in New Orleans with a, an improving Carolina Panthers team, the division that I personally think roster-wise isn't that far behind the Broncos or the Patriots right now. They, they, they're just a couple pieces, non-quarterback pieces away from being just as good as those two teams roster-wise in that department. And I would personally expect the Panthers this year to have a better record than the Saints, given all the trouble going on in New Orleans there. I'm not sure about the Falcons, but the Saints and the Falcons could be dueling it out for the seller in the NFC South this season. And who will be the NFL's two breakout superstars in 2021? One on offense and the other on defense. And I will go first here. I'm going to go with CeeDee Lamb on offense because it's clear in training camp that he yeah, Amari Cooper is fantastic, and Michael Gallup is not a slouch either. He'll probably um, earn a lot of money in free agency next year when a wide receiver needy team pays him big bucks to be their wide receiver one. But CeeDee Lamb, he is just a super rare special talent. How he fell to 17, I have no, no, no idea. He can line up at the X position, at the Y position, at the Z position, he could do it all. He is going to be the straw that stirs the drink for that passing game with Dak Prescott this year. And he put up very, very solid numbers in a year where Dak missed most of the season due to injury. But with Dak coming back and uh, his, uh, his shoulder seems to be recovering just fine and he should be on schedule for week one, CeeDee Lamb, I think, just explodes this year and asserts himself as a top 10 wide receiver in this game. So he's my breakout player on offense. And on defense, I'm going to go back to the Carolina Panthers. Brian Burns, super, super freakish athletic talent coming off the edge. He made his presence known last year. And as uh, Sheena Quick, who covers the Panthers for um, AM Fox Sports Radio 1340, uh, said on this program that Brian Burns uh, – he is just looks like, like a freak. When you just look at him, he's like chiseled, like a Greek God and, and, and his freakish ability to rush the passer that he showed last year. I think he takes that development a step further this year and solidifies himself in the top 10, if not top five pass rushers in the national football league. So C lamb and Ryan Burns for me is my two breakout superstars. What about you, Hal? All right. So offensively, I, I like the idea of the, you know, the wide receiver first round pick last year. Um, you know, I think 
I'm going to go with Brandon Ayuk from San Francisco. He flashed, um, you know, a lot of talent last year. Um, missed a few games, wasn't out there the full season. But when he was out there, he was a difference maker at wide receiver for San Francisco. I think he takes the next step. And it, it's instead of, you know, 700 yards receiving, he's in that Justin Jefferson uh stratosphere 1200 1300 yards here i think this is a, a big step up he's in the right program uh in san francisco and a big part of that worst to first there i see him making a, a big step forward there um to to be able to make that uh that next step to the to the dominant level um you know and then beyond that you know do we consider Trey Young, uh, I'm sorry, Chase Young to have already broken out with Washington because, I mean, I kind of considered his last year as a breakout. Am I kind of cheating by saying, you know, well, you know, he had what, six or seven sacks last um, year and, and this year? Well, not really. He was 49th out of 50 in total pressures. And that's why uh, uh, somebody said to me, no, he's not going to win a 2021 NFL Defensive Player of the Year. And I said, you just watch. So, you could count Chase Young as a breakout. All right. If, if I can take Chase Young, because, you know, there's just so much talent and it's, it's a matter of just getting it uh, adjusted to the game. I mean, let's face it, all of these rookies last year, uh, what they walked into with this pandemic and, you know, I mean, pick a name out of the hat, you know, I mean, that Justin Herbert, that, you know, any of these players excelled the way that they did in that circumstance. Um, you know, it, it's just amazing to me. So uh, I see Chase Young as, you know, one of those 12 to 15 sacks guys um, and basically able to disrupt the game. And, and that's the most important thing. You know, he's, I think we're going to see the pressures. I think we're going to see the, the finishing and the sacks and just the effect on that Washington defense uh, to be that one player that teams are going to be game planning against. I think he's going to come out shot out of a cannon from week one and carry it through week 17. So that's my defensive breakout player. And that's week 18. Hal, keep in mind, oh, we had a regular season game <laughs> 17 games, 18 weeks. That's right. So week 18. All right. Yeah. He yeah. won't have to play. Washington will have the division wrapped up. So um, they, they'll be resting them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we shall see. And another reason why I like Chase Young this year is the pieces Washington added on the back seven of the defense. You got a very promising young rookie linebacker in Jamin Davis, who is another serious defensive rookie of the year candidate. He is going to be a tackling machine behind that defensive line and his speed uh, makes uh, it even harder to move the ball against that Washington defense. So they added William Jackson the third to a promising young secondary and given uh, those uh, two additions, Chase Young's going to have a lot more time to get to the quarterback this year than he did last year. Exactly. And just the, the rest of that defensive line. I mean, you know, that's first round pick territory right there yeah. for Washington. They've been investing in that offensive line the last four or five years in the first round. So uh, time for that to pay off for them, I think. And uh, Chase Young's to be the, the recipient of that. You said it, Hal. And now let's uh, analyze some of these uh, division races this year. And, uh, Another team that I do not see repeating as division champions this season is the Pittsburgh Steelers, although I think they'll be competitive in almost every game because of their defense. But I think it's a very tough division to pick 
in that AFC North with the Ravens and Browns on top, who do you think has the upper hand in that race? I mean, that's, I mean, that's basically a division which had three teams that should have won that all had a stake in saying, Hey, we should have won this division. I mean, Pittsburgh started so strong and, and tailed off at the end. I mean, Baltimore, you know what you're getting in Baltimore. Um, if they can keep, you know, Dr. Lamar Jackson out of the research about the uh, vaccine and on the football field and being healthy, uh, they're, they're always a pick. But, uh, you know, Cleveland, just so strong, both sides of the ball. Um, you know, all the pieces are there. Uh, Odell Beckham's coming back this year healthy as well. They've got young receivers in the mix. They're strong up front. We know what they can do running the football um, with that one-two punch there. They're, you know, and then that entire defense, again, so strong on both sides of the ball. Um, it's, it's just a, a fun team to watch. You know, superstars, Miles Garrett, um, they are all set at the quarterback position with Baker Mayfield. I think Cleveland has to be the favorite um, coming out of the North. Yes. And you talked about the Broncos being the team that could challenge the chiefs in the AFC West, but what about the Los Angeles Chargers? You got Justin Herbert at the game's most important position and at sports most important position uh, coming off an historic offensive rookie of the year campaign. And you dramatically improved that offensive line in front of him. Um, how much of a headache, can the Chargers give the Chiefs if the Broncos aren't able to? Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the Chargers definitely have to be right there. I mean, they've had the pieces the last, what, three years, really? Um, I don't know what the excuse is with Los Angeles. I mean, they've got, you know, you want receivers? You've got Keenan Allen. You've got Mike Williams. Um, <laughs> they've got Jared Cook in here now at tight end. You know, you need running backs. Austin Eckler. Yeah, I mean, the defense, I mean, you can just go down the line on that defense from from Joey Bosa to, you know, um, the secondary. You've got Chris Harris Jr. there now, Asante Samuel Jr. Anybody named Jr. can play in that secondary right now. They've got all the pieces on both sides of the ball. Um, I just, you know, I don't know how they keep tripping up over themselves. And, and that's been the problem with the Chargers, I think. Um, for, you know, like I said, the last two, three years, you could say they've had the talent uh, to win that division. And I'm just befuddled. I don't know why they, they're not winning more games. I can't figure it out. The, the players are there. Um, do we start looking at the coaching staff? I have no idea if they're cursed, I mean, I can't tell you with the chargers, yeah. uh, all the pieces are there. They definitely should be a team that should be competing. Um, and you know, penciling in for 11, 12 wins, but it's the chargers. I, I just don't know. Yes, they are an annual mystery, but here's why I think it's going to be different this year. New head coach, Brandon Staley. When you saw last week, the effort and energy, the, third, fourth, and fifth streakers we're playing with. They have bought in to his system and the style of football he wants to play. And they clearly believe that he is a guy they want to go out and battle for every single Sunday, unlike Anthony Lynn, who did Justin Herbert no favors last year by taking the ball out of his hands at the worst possible time. Brandon Staley is not going to make that same mistake. I believe in Brandon Staley to finally get the Chargers to play up to their potential on a consistent basis. 
I hope he's, you know, that's the difference. I mean, we certainly saw him as a leader with that Rams defense last year. Um, you know, what a great job he's been. He comes from that Vic Fangio tree. Um, you know, if he can be that one piece that they've been missing, then yeah, I mean, look at look at the fun you're going to have in that division. You know, the the offensive fireworks coming out of Las Vegas, that defense in Denver, that complete team in the Chargers, and the defending AFC champion Chiefs. I mean, that's a battle royal right there all season long. Yes, Hal Bent, ladies and gentlemen, currently of bostonsportpage.com. And what other outlets do you write for these days, Hal? Uh, full press coverage, still there uh, on the Patriots beat and uh, all things NFL as well. So, uh... yep. So, catch his work at bostonsportpage.com and fullpresscoverage.com if you're a Patriots fan or an NFL fan. And, Hal, thank you so much once again for joining us. We're going to have you back on a lot this season and hopefully beyond. But let's look ahead to week two of the preseason. What is the main thing you're looking for this next week of preseason games? Health. You just want these teams right now. The most important thing is no superstars go down injured. You want to make sure that everybody is out there for week one. Um, you're starting offense. You're starting defense because, you know, it, one knee, one shoulder, uh, you know, can screw up an entire season. So, Head coaches are going to be just holding their breath while the starters are out there. And let's just get everybody uh, back on the practice field in one piece. That's going to be the goal of the preseason. As boring as that is, I apologize, but <laughs> that's really the most important thing right now. Uh, unless you want to say uh, Jerry Jones on hard knocks and see what he does this week. <laughs> yep. And uh, given the new uh, 17 game and 18 week schedule, teams are going to start resting their starters more and more and more and more and more in the preseason. The Rams uh, began a trend a couple years ago, and I think it's going to spread to the rest of the league very, very soon. But here's what I'm looking for in week two. Jets rookie quarterback, Zach Wilson, who you mentioned. Zach Wilson, he was my fourth best quarterback in this year's draft class. I didn't like him as much as I liked Justin Fields and Trey Lance. But Zach Wilson, as uncomfortable as he looked to some degree last week, he actually had a very, very efficient outing showing some of the impressive skills he has. He's got impressive rock-solid footwork so far, and uh, he can make a lot of good quality throws. He, he, he showed that last week. But Zach Wilson, I am rooting for you to prove me wrong, just as I rooted for Josh Allen to prove me wrong when he first came into the league. And Zach Wilson, what I want you to do in week two of this preseason is can you build on that efficient first outing by actually leading multiple touchdown drives this time? If you could do that, Jets fans are going to be even more excited now than they were last week and Hal thank you so much once again and that's it for today here on Sports Crunch but we'll be back in just a few days with my main man Mike Denty who will give you some key last minute advice before your fantasy football league draft so stay tuned meanwhile be sure to follow Hal on Twitter at HalBent01 you can also follow me on Twitter at DCrom59 and Instagram at Sports Crunch with DCrom and remember that's Crunch with a K for Hal Bent, this is David Cromwell saying so long, stay awesome, stay safe, stay sane. And if you haven't done so yet, please get your COVID-19 vaccine. I promise you that it will literally help save your life. Take care, cats, kittens, and stay cool. <laughs>